Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Jill. Hello. Welcome. Justin brought you a gift. Oh my gosh, what is this? Is it warm milk? From WBEZ Chicago, I'm Greta Johnson, and this is the Nerd at Book Club. It's just like a normal book club, except you bring your own warm milk. I'm here with Heather Haverleski, who writes the Ask Polly advice column for New York Magazine. Hey, Heather. Hi, Greta. I'm sorry you don't have any warm milk over there I'm in LA. extremely sorry and slightly <laughs> angry about my lack of warm milk, honestly. <laughs> I'm also here with Jill Hopkins, host of The Morning Amp on WBEZ's sister station, Vocalo. Hey, Jill. Mmm, this is delicious. (laughs) (laughs) Rub it in. (laughs) Okay, so we are talking today about the second chunk of the Testaments. That's up to page 282, which is through chapter 46. So this is your spoiler warning for that. That means next week we're going to finish this book. So as you finish it, we definitely want you to chime in. Record yourself and email it to us. You can send it to nerdatpodcast at gmail.com. So... I think the first thing I want to say is just that I'm a little bummed that I didn't end this reading section like four pages earlier with Daisy just saying that this place is weird as fuck. (laughs) The understatement of the book. (laughs) (laughs) So I kind of think we should do more or less the same thing we did last week, which is go in order of the characters that Mm -hmm. we are dealing with, at least until things kind of start to converge. So with that said, I think we should start with Lydia and just kind of go through a couple of the plot points, especially sort of around like the potential subterfuges that we are seeing. How do y'all feel about that? I feel good about it. Okay, so we start with Aunt Lydia and she's talking to Aunt Sally, who's the Pearl girl who had been in Canada and who we find out killed. What was that other aunt? Is it Adrian? Adriana? Adriana. 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 Oh, we got the A-R thing again. (laughs) Damn it, Canada. (laughs) Adriana. Adriana. I mean, you know, I don't know that it was a particularly remarkable scene. I guess it confirmed that, like, odds are Aunt Lydia is the person who is scheming with the Pearl Girls to figure shit out in Canada. The one thing that did really catch my attention, I think it's that scene. Aunt Lydia says, least said, soonest mended, Hmm. which is something Ada says before, which caught my attention because I still want there to be something interesting with Ada. Yeah. And that's not, like, the most common Right, that's Say the it. thing. Like, I've never heard that. Have you heard that saying before? No. Heather? Lise said, soonest, first mended. soonest mended. No, I actually stumbled on that and had to read it three times, I think. I was like, what? It seems like the, a very Gilead thing to say, doesn't it? it Isn't does. that like the opposite of the squeaky wheel gets the grease? <laughs> it is, actually. It is. It's like the quietest wheel will be fine forever. because <laughs> Which I don't think that really pans out in my life. 
No. I think it's like least least said most screwed is my <laughs> least said longest time to try to repair passive aggressive bullshit. <laughs> well, and then warm milk comes up, which actually let's listen to a voicemail about that one. Okay, here's what I want to know. Why is everyone drinking glasses of warm milk? Constantly. Every three pages, someone is offering someone else a glass of warm milk. I personally think warm milk is disgusting. I like how she says it because it almost even sounds like worm milk. I love a good regional accent. (laughs) (laughs) This warm milk thing is getting out of control. I mean, it is pretty intense, though. Like, there's a lot of warm milk in this book. I guess the cows are okay, right? Like, I mean... (laughs) Seriously, there's no dairy production problems in Gilead. I know. I mean, everybody else is having fertility issues, but the cows are just Ooh, pumping out babies and pumping out milk. Good point. Do you it's think fine. that this warm milk distribution is so that people don't get woke? Oh, what? hey now, hey now. Did I just warm blow all is... your mind? Jesus. Warm milk is a sedative, and it's also a drug, and it's. As, as as many a vegan has said to me before, it's made for cow babies, not oh. human babies. Well, there is that. I mean, one thing, we were discussing warm milk in our production meeting yesterday, as one does when you're making a book club podcast about a book that features a lot of warm milk. And, you know, the other two people were expressing preference for cold milk. But, like, that's not how milk is, you know. <laughs> oh, the st- its natural state is warm. Yeah, it yeah. comes out. Straight from the cow temp. breast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> As I yeah. sit here sipping leisurely on this mug of warm milk that uh-huh. Justin has given us. <laughs> it does uh, leave quite the texture in the mouth, yeah. quite the mouthfeel. I realize that I've never just had unaccompanied hot milk before. <laughs> it's, it's maybe really you something. did, but you can't really yeah, remember it. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Maybe. It's like, but, like, this doesn't have, like, a Swiss Miss situation going on. Yeah, or like not, it's not like, like horchata. Almond something. extract or, like, I know, something. but you, I'm saying you could have been <laughs> suckling your mom's. <laughs> What'd you say about my mama? <laughs> Oh my god! So I'm first of all, I'm very angry that I'm not with you sucking on warm milk. I feel very Listen, unnurtured. We're not sucking on warm milk. Yes, you are. To be clear, your cup has a nipple on it. I know no. that. Number one. Either you have a very rich imagination. I'm pretty and angry I need to right make now. Some corrections. Everybody wants to know why I dislike this book while you guys love it, and it's because you're being mothered sweetly by Justin, and I'm not. That's <laughs> why I'm so oh grumpy over here. Okay, next week we'll ask the kind people in Los Angeles Damn to it. up some milk for Oh, you. my God. Well, who even gonna... knows what kind of beverage will pop up in the last... <laughs> I know. It's true. You never know. But this, it's interesting, though, if you think about it, it's a matriarchy, right? And maybe we're maybe what we're really seeing is... When you when you add up this group of women, there's just a lot of power between them, actually, and they're holding the cards now. Like, we have seen that shift. Yes. With mm-hmm. Lydia's That's part of the story. That's true. Right? They're holding Not the cards. segue smoothly back into the no, actual book. No, that was book, great. But... No, I respect that very much. <laughs> well, and I think we do... Uh, need to talk about the stadium mm-hmm. because oh, that's yeah. kind of what happens next. And we actually have another, we have a voicemail about that too, and then we'll chat about it. I just finished chapter 24 and I had to call in. As someone with both a law degree and a uterus, it was really hard for me to read slash listen to. Is Aunt Lydia the spy? Have we learned that? I think we have. She says a line while she's being beat that she would do anything to take down the system. 
and I think she does. I think she's the one that helped baby Nicole and offered escape. And I think that she's been working this whole time, as we explained earlier with the cost-benefit analysis. If less people can die, is this worth it? Thanks, everyone. Hope you're enjoying the book. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's still the question of, like, is she is the good she's doing actually net good? Mm-hmm. But I also wonder, and I wanted to start with you, Jill, because you had talked about how you wanted to have more of Aunt Lydia's backstory yeah. last week. Like, was this enough? Because pretty much we go from the stadium to she talks to Commander Judd. Mm-hmm. He puts her in the thank tank. She They go to the motel. Mm-hmm. And then she talks to Commander Judd and she's good to go and becomes an aunt. Like, it's... <laughs> It was a pretty shockingly easy sequence of events. Yeah, it it seemed to go a little too smoothly there, but that I want I I got the some of the background that I wanted. I I needed to know how she got to be so I guess hardened Uh as a as an aunt, Uh, and I kind of figured that there was just like a very violent episode that yeah uh, that led to that because how else. Yeah. With that, she's too smart to just succumb to whatever, you know, crap they threw at her. Absolutely. So, yeah, but hmm. the way that they describe her and, uh, you know, also on the, the television show, she's like a sturdy woman, uh. which is such a weird thing to say about a lady. She's a sturdy <laughs> woman. She can <laughs> handle it just as much as she can dish I it mean, out. To be clear, we are recording. If you would like to change no, I'm your still, I'm word going choice, with sturdy you're woman. doubling down. Okay. <laughs> She's a she can she can handle a lot of shit physically and mentally, and so this whole you know dismantling the system had to be a very conscious choice brought along by something that pushed her to her yeah. limit. Yeah, and yeah, I love the, the phrase cost benefit analysis when it comes to <laughs> human lives, but that's it's it's absolutely what we're talking about right now. And you know she's doing she's this you know puppet master as it's turning out. She's doing. Yeah a lot of different works and a lot of different arenas, including that actual arena in the stadium to, um, you know, just find out all of the, you know, the secrets of the people in charge of of Gilead. And I mean, is it working? Do we, do we have a theory about whether or not she's the one that sends this whole thing toppling? Well, I think it's pretty apparent that she is, she is the one, and it is working. And actually, I, I in terms of her character, um, I, I agree that it was too quick, the transition between, mm-hmm. um, okay, so all these people are dying. You know, the transition between she's sitting with Anita, right? right. Her friend. Her coworker. And they're yeah. like, who could shoot these women? Who would do that? And then the next thing you know, yeah, she's shooting Anita, right? Like, yeah. that was pretty fast. But by the same token, I think it kind of goes back to that that scene where she, when when she's introduced and we learn what she thinks about that statue, how it's a little too crowded and she wants it to just be her. Oh, yeah. Um, alone with no one else. Her ego-driven center, I think, kind of comes out and mm. in that moment. And I think that we're actually seeing that she's she's not really a hero. I mean, whether or not she's going to take down this oppressive, awful, evil regime she will maybe be doing it for ego-driven and vindictive reasons more hmm. than she's doing it for idealistic reasons. And that's actually, I'm actually more interested in her now because I feel like it's kind of cool. It's like, 
I think the one thing that that Atwood is doing is basically saying that these oppressive regimes are not necessarily that sophisticated or that complicated. Mm -hmm. They're actually kind of clown shows from within, and they're not actually that hard to manipulate from within, potentially. It's just a matter of you you basically have to find someone who's uh, essentially rotten enough to get in there and just not rotten enough to um, unravel things once they're in, which I think is, you know, I think that's kind of a fascinating angle on on Gilead, because you, you're you used to seeing this as like a, a completely oppressive, you know, monolith that you could never, you know, topple. And then you start pulling on threads and it all kind of unravels. That's mm. that's sort of what I feel like we're seeing happen. But I love the fact that she's morally ambiguous, actually, um, that she's that it doesn't actually take much for her to just sign right up. I'm kind of uh, I don't know if I'm in love. I'm in like with. <laughs> Uh, her like mean girl moments that she has mm. last last week. I talked about Shunamite being the Regina George of her school, and now I I kind of love how uh, Aunt Lydia is pitting the other two, Elizabeth and is it Vidalia? Uh-huh. That's is that an mm-hmm. onion? Is that a person? Vidala. Uh, <laughs> she's like pitting them against one another, yeah. mm-hmm. and that's yeah. that's a really interesting little storyline, and I, I think that they're setting that up for something kind of for sure explosive as well. Yeah, so she's got that line, keep your friends close, but your enemies closer. Having no friends, I must do with enemies. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and she also has those cameras planted in the damned statue, and she knows what everyone's doing, which <sighs> yeah. I think is yeah. fascinating. It's sort of like, it really goes back to like the fact that information is power in this situation. Yeah, yeah. Um, and she, it's beginning to feel like she has. I mean, in some ways, she almost has too too much information at this point. You're sort of like, yeah. whoa, she knows everything, right? But, so, did that bug you at all? Because that at that point, I was sort of like, really, like that's yeah. so easy for. Oh yeah, I just had these little cameras. I just you know, <laughs> I have them everywhere. Hole. In fact, and yeah, no, no. Oh, she's got deal. yeah. They're all over there in the statue. They're in the dentist's office. Yeah, they're, yeah. You know, like that's awful mm-hmm. convenient. You know, mm-hmm. it's very convenient but it also is it kind of makes sense that she's had a lot of time to herself to kind of you know what I mean like she's she's in this very rarefied situation where she can kind of screw around however she wants you know Uh, you know and the thing that she can't do is outright ask people for information or um, hey what did she like she can ask for information under the guise of something else some of the conversations I have to say are a little bit too easy also, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, she looks for information. She gets it. Yeah. yeah. They yeah, all just she, hand it over to her. They hand it over. Commander Judd. Oh, thank, you know, a little flattery here. There's a lot of scenes where she she flatters someone and they immediately give up all the information that she needs. Like, yeah. it's pretty simple, guys. I think well, I'm going to use that. If we're talking about Lydia as being motivated by narcissistic purposes, why can't we think... That everyone else in Gilead in that position of power is is kind of ruled by narcissism. Right. And that's why they're so easily manipulated by a little compliment here and there. Like a lot of dudes are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, she doesn't have to do a lot of work in most instances to win people over. Which, I don't know, mm-hmm. might just be an indicator of her level of power. And maybe, like, as you were saying, Heather, like, also the degree of ineptitude that actually does surround this whole place. Yeah, but I don't it's know. Sort of, I mean, that's sort of a point, right? Like these are kind of bumbling idiots is what we're learning, I think. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, I will say I agree with you that like generally I thought this section especially like I thought it was all very convenient for everyone, you know, and mm-hmm. we'll get to Agnes and Daisy's stories too. But like 
the whole thing. Like I I appreciate that this book has so much plot and momentum like stuff is happening they're not just like sitting around twiddling their thumbs worrying about things Mm -hmm. but it all is unfolding very very smoothly i think do you want to hear some little historical tidbits that i came across while reading this book yes so Uh, your girl latches on to names very easily, forgets them very quickly, but latches on very easily. Okay. So they talk a lot about uh, two different places and uh, Aunt Lydia does, but also so does Daisy. Did you look up Schlafly? I did. The Schlafly Cafe. That's great. I meant to do that. And the Hildegard Library. So I'm guessing that Schlafly Cafe is not named for the brewery in St. Louis, but (laughs) from that person, the person that owns Schlafly Brewing is cousins with Phyllis Schlafly, who's uh-huh. a notorious asshole. She uh, was a, a notorious uh, conservative anti-feminist who actively campaigned against the ratification of the ERA. Oh, wow. Mm. Yeah. The Equal Rights Amendment. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And Hildegard Library, and this may be a stretch, but here's what I got from okay. it. <laughs> So uh, St. Hildegard of Bingen is uh-huh. a person. Uh-huh. Uh, she was a nun for, and she was recognized uh, for a lot of reasons, uh, which is how you get to be a saint. But the, the thing that she is uh, kind of maybe second most known for is that she was the writer of the oldest surviving known morality play, yes. which was oh. called Ordo Virtutum. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the general plot of it is it's the struggle for the human soul between the virtues and the devil. And the virtues were role models for the women of the Abbey at the time who took joy in overcoming their own weaknesses and defeating the devil in their own lives. Wow. So, yeah, ants. Of course you'd name a library after somebody like that. Of course you'd name your coffee place after... (laughs) That is rough. That jerk. I'm so glad you looked that up, Jill. That's delightful. You know, I like to find anti-feminism where I can. (laughs) And just root it out wherever it lives. And just see why these places were named after or named the way they were and why they kept, instead of just saying, I was at the cafe or I was at the library, why they kept shoving these names into our faces. Well, and there are so few remnants in Gilead of the way that, you know, especially like proper nouns of things from before that like they do really jump out at you. They do. Yeah. And considering there's probably only the one cafe and the one library, you could easily have just gotten away with it. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. It's ironic that they're... Are they drinking warm milk in the Schlafly Cafe? (laughs) Obviously. That's where it comes. Well, except that... Which was it? Aunt Helena, who did not want... Warm milk does not agree with her. So she likes mint tea. And you already know that. Remember how she... Helena? You, you, yeah, she's like, I've told you that before. Yeah, yeah, she's I'm pissed like, that was And Lydia's like, mm, I love making mm. me angry. <laughs> Turns me on just to make people mad all the time. So from here, I think we should jump to Agnes. But first, let's listen to one more voicemail, which was very helpful from a super smart nerd who knew what a holograph was in this context and sent in a voicemail about it. Hi, Nerdette. This is Sarah, and I am really enjoying your Testaments book club. I just wanted to clarify the term holograph. Um, Despite how it sounds, this really doesn't have anything to do with holograms or any type of futuristic technology. A holograph is just a manuscript that is handwritten by its author. So in this case, it just means that Aunt Lydia wrote it by hand instead of typing it or having somebody else transcribe the document. Really enjoying the book club and looking forward to the next installment. Thank you. 
Boo, I wanted lasers. Oh, man, I was so <laughs> delightful by that clarification. It was like, thank you, smart person, kindly informing me how I was wrong. I love I, that. I just feel really dumb now. <laughs> but now we know, now we know and that thing. is the beauty of the pursuit of knowledge. Yes, I've never true. heard it used in any other context. <laughs> I know, so right? This is super know. helpful. Well, that's okay. We've learned a couple of great things today, and that's what counts, guys. All right, we'll be back in just a minute. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Okay, so let's move on to Agnes, who, when we first see her, is getting prepared to be a wifey. She doesn't go to school anymore. She's in wife class with Shunammite and Becca. The place is called Ruby's Premarital Prep. Uh, what did you all think about about this section? I wanted Becca to break out as a character, but not like this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you're referring to the fact that Becca, like— very desperately does not want to get married. It kind of comes out, too, that that Becca's dad molested her, probably, or assaulted her or something, right? Yeah. And so she tries to kill herself yeah. to get out. And we kind of speculated last week yeah, that, they you were, did. that they were setting us up for, for Becca to really shake things up. Uh, but, yeah, I didn't. I guess I didn't see that part coming, and then I got really sad. Yeah. I got really sad about it. Well, so how do you feel about the fact that she's an aunt now? Like that kind of seems like she gets to read. You right. Know? I mean, if if there is such a thing as best case scenario for any of these girls, I guess maybe that's it. I think it that's feels partly... a little bit speedy again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. True. You know, I mean, because Becca is um, I mean, even the suicide attempt was very kind of glossed over. I didn't I didn't feel like I got a chance to feel things about it. Um, yeah, I don't, you know what I mean. Yeah, like, and and also, I, I'm not sure that I understand Becca well enough to know if she would really want to be an aunt or if she would look forward to that. Like, I found that a little bit confusing. And then on top of that, the idea that just to, moving towards the end of that yeah. part, the idea that Agnes would just kind of conveniently do the same thing. Like, I felt like yeah. she just followed the exact same path and. <laughs> yep. She didn't necessarily have to. I mean, it was a very kind of like weird pawn in the game moment for her character where it's just like Lydia decides that she should do what Becca did. And it's just hard to understand. It's sort of like, why do we need Becca to do it first? Why do we need Becca at all in this scenario? It just storytelling wise, narrative wise, it's very odd. It's sort of like Becca did this thing. Agnes is going to do the same thing. It's how convenient. Don't no worries. She barely even has to touch Commander Judd, except right. to smell. I mean, I I did love the scene where she had to mm. um, meet him, and his breath stank. And I mean, the, these scenes where the girls are confronted with men are so sort of 
viscerally horrifying. <laughs> Did you find yourself like cringing and grimacing while reading? Because oh. like, you know, we're we're certainly not, you know, handmaids or anything, but how many gross kisses have you been on the receiving end of in your life? Just like, ugh, why? And then what it, it said something like, the sound, like she describes the sound his lips make as he's pulling them away from her. For, oh, yeah. She said, it felt like he was sucking a little piece of my brain out of oh, my yeah. <laughs> like Enough of I these kisses. I will have no brain. Zombie <laughs> Commander Judd. Oh, that's so gross. Yeah. I mean, I will say, I think you're right, Heather, that like it seemed convenient when Becca was able to opt out of the whole thing by becoming an aunt. And then especially when like Lydia shows up at Agnes's house and is like, hey, if you don't want to marry Commander Judd, like that's totally cool. Yeah. Where were these options? This didn't seem like it had ever been mentioned to anyone before. Right. Like throughout their schooling. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, by the way. Yeah. If you don't totally dig this system. Yeah. Here's 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 option number two. Well, and then even the whole like her having to figure out how to go talk to Aunt Este and like tricking her guardian. Like even that was so easy. Right. It's like, well, I just need a ride to the school just real quick. And he's like, yeah, yeah. And he's like, I'm not supposed to do that. Just stay here for a second. And yeah, yeah. and I'll then he's like, hand. okay. Yeah, it's just like, I don't know. It just felt a little too easy. I thought and it was interesting and it's very strange that we kind of skipped over what happened to Becca in that in that passage. You know how they kind of delicately tiptoe around it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, yeah. Because so everything else is so snakes and, you know, worms and... You know, sucking my brains out and penis this and penis that. So much penis. There's so are you, are we much. Reading the same book, you guys. There's a lot of. There was like a half lot. a chapter. Yes. Just penis, penis, penis. You know, it went from blood and holes to just wormy, wow. slimy penis leeches. It took a very penis turn. The wetness can't stand. The worst part is the wetness. Uh, oh my god. Yeah, that was yeah. that was really. It gave gross. me um. That gave me um. What was that book by Judy Bloom? Forever? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It gave me forever flashbacks. Because you know when you find out about, when you learn about sex when you're a kid and you and don't know like, what it is. And you're like, wait, what's wet? Like, what, what the, what could be wet? Please explain. And you don't know for like three years. You're yeah. just walking around like, something about things being wet <laughs> seems bad and I don't like it. Yep, no, it's not good. It's that scene in the movie Singles where the kid gets the sex talk by a doctor with a very thick Boston accent. And then he goes back to school to tell his friends what he learned. He's like, then at the end, spam comes out. Oh, God. Oh, God. That would truly be horrifying. <laughs> Spam. We found what's worse. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, I do, I do getting slightly back on track, think it is important to note that, like, it may have seemed easy, but the thing is now that Becca owes Aunt Lydia yeah. big, right? Which means yeah. that, like, she's got another person in her pocket who she can make do stuff for her. Oh, Which and could the, be she says something like that too, doesn't she? Yeah, she says keep gratitude like, mm. in your pocket because it's it doesn't come around very often. Yeah, you something never know. like that. Yeah, yeah. I also we have a voicemail about participation that I think we should listen to. Hello, ladies. I have a problem with the participation. The name is awkward, but that's not my main problem with it. The main problem I have is the the idea that a mob of angry women could rip a human body to shreds. <laughs> Think about trying to rip a chicken apart with your bare hands (laughs) or even with a group of people working on it. It's just bodies 
are too well put together for that. The bones and tendons hold everything together really nicely. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. That's my two cents. Thank you. So that's my mom. <laughs> is it really? Yeah. Oh, it is? Yeah, I was I talking to her mom. on the phone the other day, and she was like, you could stomp a person to death, but you couldn't rip them to death. And I was like, I need you to call. <laughs> I love that she's just been she's turning that in her mind. Yep. Oh, you know what? I have been so angry about that. I'm so happy that your have mom you? said that. Yeah. I've been really, this last time, especially um, with uh, Dr. Grove, is that his name? Oh, yeah. dentist. Mm-hmm. I really just thought, well, now hold on a second here. Like they don't even have like ballpoint pens or, you know, <laughs> something. They don't. They don't have like a, knuckles, a ruler, several rulers. Like, and they they describe it as ripping. You know, ripping yeah, the scalp do. off. How yeah. the hell do you do that? That's insane. Like, like your mom's example of a chicken <laughs> is hilarious. <laughs> And also, how angry would you have to be to use your bare hands and rip someone apart? Well, I mean, I I guess that's the point. But that was kind of my argument is that, like, they need this thing. This is how they're blowing off all of their steam in living in, like, a deeply unjust and fucked up system. Right. Mm It's like they're giving them this one time to be horrible and violent so that they're complacent with the rest of it. All right, I guess we got to find 67 of our friends and really test this theory out. I know. Get a a very unlucky chicken. (laughs) Okay, so let's head north and check in with Daisy, who is another one. We're like, this all went very smoothly, y'all. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. The the thing with her and is it Ada and Garth and... Edison, I don't remember the third guy's name, but she's, she, you know, she's moved past the trauma of finding out that everything she's ever known is a lie. Yeah. And seems to uh, have, you know, worked it so that she's dealing with this plan that they have for her swimmingly. Right. And the plan is for her to go undercover to Gilead. Mm hmm. As baby Nicole, which I guess isn't a disguise because she is baby Nicole, and get a bunch of documents from their insider at Gilead. But that's kind of all the plan is, guys. It yeah. sounds like there will be there will be some sort of switcheroo eventually where there's something that we don't know. There has to be, right, about this plan. Yeah, but it have to be. But it's well, but it is very like what who would who would agree to this? First of all, sounds like a really bad thing to agree to. Number one, number two. Uh, did she feel any emotions about her parents who she called by their first names in a pretty cold way from the beginning? You know, it's it's yeah, I want more. I mean, you know, throughout for this whole book. OK, the whole book. I just want. more. Oh, good. Emotional. Now she's mad. Sorry, I am a little mad. <laughs> I just want a little more emotional processing. I think that I would accept the fact that it's just very plot driven um, and the last book wasn't. That's fine. But the emotions, where are the emotions, I ask you? I don't, yeah. I don't feel like the emotions are being translated onto the page um, effectively enough, and we're kind of speeding through things. At one point, Nicole slash um, Daisy says, oh, this is much worse than sleeping under that bridge. And I'm like, <laughs> was that <laughs> you bad cuddled for you? with Garth, and that was all you wanted in that moment. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. she's just, she's has these, she seems to have these very flat little turns where she's like, oh, by the way, I have a crush on Garth. Right. Mm, he's cuddling with me. I don't yeah, want him to leave. Yeah, Garth thing. Yeah. It's like, who the <laughs> fuck is Garth? <laughs> <laughs> where did this guy come from? We just met that motherfucker. 
Nobody has a crush <laughs> on Why anyone should we care? <laughs> However, I mean, it's funny because that funny. was my first thought too, was like, oh, sure, the first like remotely age appropriate dude, she's all over that shit. But also, isn't that what it's like when you're 16? Yeah. Kinda. And you're like, you don't actually yes. have to have any basis for that completely arbitrary crush. Hey, you're sure. Like, I mean, it's near just, me. it's Garth, you know? Uh, look, it's part all of my, about Garth. Part of my gripe is that I want to know what Garth looks like at least so I can get, I mean, I'll get so into it. you can objectify it. him a little yeah, bit? Yeah, I'm like, sure, Garth. I mean, I liked Nick. I, don't, I have no idea what that guy was about. Yeah. Just super into Nick. That's a fair point. Let's just say Harry Styles. Let's like, just, oh, let's just let's make just it up. Okay. Like, okay. A, like a Canadian Harry Styles. Oh, yeah. Okay. We okay. also do need to mention that we got confirmation that Nicole slash Daisy slash Jade's mom is still alive mm-hmm. and has been getting updates about Nicole slash Daisy slash Jade, which is like, isn't that just what she needed was another name? <laughs> <laughs> She's going to have an identity crisis before the end of this book, for yeah, sure. Yeah, she. I mean, she has to, right? Yeah. Is it? Do you think that she's better off knowing that her mother is alive, or you know, is that something that's sustaining her? Like you said, we're not know. getting a whole yeah, lot of processing like here. It. Can I tell you guys a crazy theory that one of my one of our coworkers has? Yeah, sure. So Kevin thinks that Aunt Lydia is Nicole's mother. What? Whoa. Those That's were a the good best theory. Reactions. Okay. It's pretty interesting. It's pretty interesting. We know she had an abortion. We don't know anything else really about Lydia. Did you know? Right. Yes. Because yes, she talks to Commander Judd about it. It's during like the interrogation. During the their Judd first... sucked my brain out. I can't remember that. <laughs> okay. And you know, like we know Lydia's been communicating with them via, or at least we can assume Lydia's been communicating with them with the microdot. Thing, which mm-hmm. could be how she's getting pictures then. Uh-huh. I feel like there was another reason why he thought that, and I can't remember what it was now. How would Lydia have concealed a pregnancy? I mean, aren't those aunt that? robes kind of kind of loosey-goosey? Yeah, but I feel like they really monitor everybody's... But don't know, she can install cameras in the statue... She can probably also yeah, quickly, I guess so. discreetly and she's got get the pregnant power. and give birth. Yeah, like and sneak help. a baby out, right? Like she could probably get away with all those things without. But, I don't know. But it was hold an on, interesting. Hold on. How old is Nicole? Because how old is Lydia? It seems like Lydia's way older. Well, that's than... actually a good point because they did talk about. I mean, the reason she was sent to the stadium ostensibly was because she was too old to make babies. Yeah, yeah. So, but, yeah. but too young to just be cast aside at wholesale. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sent to the. That, see, they don't yeah, really talk about called? that land of un. No, what, what was that? Un- the colonies, or that was other the colonies? I think the colonies, yeah. where yeah. they're just like picking up toxic waste. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> or at least that's what they're telling us is happening. <laughs> we don't true. actually know. Bathing and <laughs> it's just it's like some scene out of Monty Python's Holy Grail. The colonies, you know, like I, you just picture like people covered in filth, yeah. like arguing oh, with God. each other. The way that yeah. it's described is just so cartoonish, you know. Yeah, I mean, and not yeah. to make light of people suffering. <laughs> who have nothing. I just, the colonies were never fleshed out for us. Let's put yes, it that way. That's true. Did we discover that Lydia knows that Jade is baby Nicole, but that she doesn't know that Jade knows that she's baby Nicole? <laughs> oh. Like at the very end, what I gathered was she was like, oh, don't tell her her real identity. Lydia's saying to somebody else, don't tell. Jade or whoever her name is at the time. Mm-hmm. Don't tell her that she's actually baby Nicole. But we already know that she mm-hmm. totally knows. 
Oh. I don't know. That's too confusing for my brain. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I think that's I think that's what's going on. That the Canadians are one step ahead somehow still. Oh, really? That's, I mean, that would be just as convenient as this book has hmm. led us but, to think it should be. I might be but, wrong. But okay, but who do we have? Okay, so this is a character issue. But who do we have in Canada that we give a crap about? Who would know more than Aunt Lydia? That's the thing. Like, Ada. Ada, we care about her. Hmm. I kind of care. I mean, oh, she's got if that leather she's jacket. Offered, you're still hoping yeah, she's offered. I mean, what? I am still hoping she's offered. <laughs> yeah, but she seemed. Kinda I think cool. you're wrong. <laughs> she also wrong. did have maybe my favorite quote from the book so far, which was, "Nobody is any authority on the fucks other people give." <laughs> oh. That is a good one. Right? I have that raised tattooed on my Exactly. <laughs> and yeah, like Ada cares really strongly about taking down Gilead, but she also doesn't give a fuck. And that's a pretty cool combination, I think. It's, it's served me well. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are lucky I'm here right now. <laughs> uh, walking that line is certainly a part of survival, isn't it? Um, it really is. Trying your best and also saying, fuck this shit, I don't This care. can't be my We're problem. We're swearing a lot today. Today's a, a deus irae day of swearing, day of anger. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. It's, I mean, it, you know. Yeah, I'm surprised you guys aren't more soothed by that uh, by that warm milk that you're sipping on and suckling. <laughs> it's not bad. But I can't just take down a glass of milk like I could when I was younger. Yeah, they, yeah. these are very small sips that we're having yeah. over here. One question I did have about Daisy is what if she becomes a true believer? Like, what if that's the turn? Oh, see, I was thinking that maybe Agnes would become a true believer mm -hmm. because she's still a little bit um, malleable and a little bit blank. Well, and now if she's an aunt, maybe she can like she buy could. into that system. Ooh, it would be cool if at the very end, Agnes is an Aunt Agnes and she takes down Lydia and keeps Gilead together. <laughs> <laughs> after oh. all the after all the attempts to unravel Gilead occur, Agnes actually turns out to be the most oppressive and frightening emperor, like you know, um, Voldemort type. Voldemort. Did you just say that would be fun? <laughs> that would be hilarious because it would be really funny because the whole novel. Okay, so I feel like one of the flaws of the book. Mm -hmm. is that it does really feel like they're going to succeed in taking Gilead. To, yeah. It, like Aunt Lydia is going to blow Gilead to smithereens in her own special way from the inside, which is kind of cool and will be satisfying. But yes. it just feels like the writing's on the wall. And we're, I, you know, I think if we didn't feel like we were speeding through a lot of plot points, like, yeah. okay, sleep under the bridge, crush on Garth, see a Garth, go to the, you know, there's just, <laughs> just a lot of... Meet the Pearl Girls once, have them take you to Gilead the next time they see you. Yes. And one's a redhead, who cares, move along. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's so odd to me. Yeah, we actually have a voicemail about that, the prediction one. Hey, Nerdette, I'm finally ahead on reading the testaments for this week's book club, but I still have no clue how this is going to end up. The obvious answer seems too obvious. What do you guys think? Thanks. Bye. So, yeah, Heather, I mean, mm. I think that's kind of what you're hinting at, right? Mm -hmm. Is like, is that it? Do they just all kind of team up and it falls down and then we can like, you know. All you need are a handful of cameras and a lot of flattery. <laughs> <laughs> and the plan comes together and sick women against each other because they're all such petty little bitches. Yeah, yeah. But give them some pizza and good snacks now and then because that helps keep them in line too. Warm milk over and over and over. <laughs> soothe them, soothe them to sleep. <laughs> what do you think, Jill? I'm nervous. 
that this book is going to end like The Handmaid's Tale and that we're left with like what uh. could be a cliffhanger and then there's some something that takes place later on down the line. They're like, and here's an explanation for all of the things you've just read. In the next 12 pages, I'm going to wrap up every loose end. And mm. while I do want loose ends wrapped up, I don't want that feeling of like kind of cop out to happen at the end of the book. Yeah, that's interesting. I think I might be worried of the opposite, a little closer to Heather's concern, where it's like there's going to be such a cute, tidy bow mm. tied on this whole thing. Yeah, like a Scooby-Doo, everyone stands in a semicircle yeah. and yeah. says, and they're all just going to be Aunt like, Lydia, yeah. if you hadn't put those cameras in there, <laughs> <laughs> Commander Judd would have had his way. <laughs> You saved the whole world, Aunt Lydia. I could go on and on. <laughs> Keep going. Would have gotten away for it too, but yeah. wasn't for these meddling handmaids. Exactly, the meddling handmaids, and and then Garth and uh, and then Garth and what's her face? I think Garth you and Jade have a will lot kiss. Of feelings for Garth. <laughs> Jade and Garth will be locked in a passionate kiss, and oh yeah, beautiful. They'll even partner off. Partner off. I mean, you know, the one thing I want to ask you is, do you think that anyone is willing to say, I mean, if we get to the end of this book and we're just like, wow, that was disappointing. <laughs> do you think that there will actually be bad reviews of this book anywhere? I don't know. I mean, that's funny. We were talking about that because, like, I haven't read any of the reviews because I've been so worried about spoilers. So. Yeah, me too. I'm curious because, I mean, if I were charged with, I, you know, I have done a great deal of book criticism in my yeah. life. And yeah. if I were charged with uh, writing a review of, I mean, I think I would just say, no, I can't review that book because yeah. I'll be forced to, um, you know, I don't like any review where I'm like, I don't know that I can tell the truth about that one. Because if yeah. it's bad, that would be not fun to try to review it. You know, it's in this day and age. I mean, people are sort of um, a little bit uh, not so into negative reviews these days. Yeah. And people are so emotionally attached to The Handmaid's Tale and just the collective works of Margaret Atwood. Well, thank God for us, you guys. Thank God for us. Because (laughs) we're going to tell the truth, right? We are, Well, I was was just going to ask if you're you're planning on skipping out next week. (laughs) Yeah. See you guys later. It's like, I'm so sorry. I can't do it. I can't do this anymore. This last third was just a real bummer. (laughs) No, I just, it it just really, I really got curious this time during this section, like, are there good? Re- are there mostly good reviews of this book yeah, out there? Yeah. It's already shortlisted for the Booker Prize. Right. I'm surprised well, by that, honestly, reading this yeah, book. Yeah, that is kind of surprising. Well, and it's funny because I think like two-thirds of the way into the book is that point where you're like, is this gonna get is this gonna match my high expectations? Or is this just gonna be kind of a lackluster novel? Like, it's a great question. I don't know the answer. It's hmm. not the easiest thing to write. I mean, let's just acknowledge that. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You know, with the expectations and the hype and and everything like that, yeah. I certainly have just trouble writing under a time deadline. I couldn't <laughs> literally anything. Anything. <laughs> I couldn't imagine trying to write this with like the television show going on at the same time. Yeah. With like the real world happening in the way that it's happening at the same time and yeah. wanting to get the book out before everything in it comes true. Yeah, look at Game of Thrones. It didn't go so well for um, for George R.R. R. Martin either, you know? Yeah. Mm. It makes me think about high expectations and how sometimes those can be the enemy, right? Because it's yeah. like, if, you do, if you're like, whatever, it'll be fine, then of course maybe you're pleasantly surprised. But if you're like, this is going to blow my fucking mind... 
And then you're two thirds of the way in and you're like, well, I don't know, man, it's whatever, (laughs) you know. It makes me want to see the watch the rest of the TV show because it's interesting to think about taking something. I don't know. Just how do you keep a story alive without um, repeating the same narratives over and over again? And how do you go deeper? Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, I think a big mistake was to have two kids. I feel like there should have been the perspective of either. I don't know. I, I hate to say it, but like. A commander, a guardian. A dude, you want to hear from a, a man. I, it, does you think that, that sound would have lended sad? some more I mean, authority to this story? No, not authority. No, just but it's... A chumpy man's perspective would be hilarious within this <laughs> no, context. See how everything looks from his perspective where no, he's like, oh, that funny. Aunt Lydia, she's just so kind and courteous yeah. and not know that he's being played the entire time. I mean, I, you know, I, I, that's not necessarily what I have in mind, but I do think that two two kids together yeah yeah it's a little bit repetitive and i kind of don't ca- i don't see any difference between them and i don't necessarily care you know yeah. i don't i'm having trouble care I, I mean lydia's interesting but i don't think the other two characters are easy to care about because we don't know anything about them right well and they're more or less yeah i mean garth is at least sexy <laughs> <laughs> that hair oh my god it's so dark more Garth. More Garth. We probably will never see Garth again. But I guess we'll find out and we'll for sure Don't talk about that. him next week if he's there. <laughs> okay, so once you have finished reading or maybe you finished ages ago like a real book nerd, we would love to know your rating of this book. And I think it's only appropriate that we do this rating on a scale of 1 to 10 warm milks. 10 being the best, obviously. So let us know how you think The Testament's shaped up, especially to other books you've read this year or maybe even to like other Margaret Atwood books. You can record yourself on your little phone and then send us an email to nerdatpodcast at gmail.com. Do it before next Wednesday because that's when we tape. You can also chime in on Twitter with hashtag nerdatbookclub. The show is produced by me and Justin Bull who provided me and Jill with warm milk today. Mm. And me with none. (laughs) And Heather with none. We're going to try and set that up in LA next week. Our executive producer is Brendan Banazak. You can sign up for our newsletter at wbez.org slash nerdettaf. All right, that's it, y'all. See you next week. Just silence. Neither of you has anything. Oh, sorry. I didn't didn't Um, know. (laughs) See you, pals and gals. Yeah, see you next week. I'm going to have milk by then. (laughs) Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Tanwen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.